Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome you. My name is Steve uh, Warner, and I'm uh, the lead pastor here at CCWC. Uh, quickly, I just want to mention a couple of things. One, if you're joining us uh, as, a, as a guest today, or you've maybe uh, been a guest a few times but haven't gotten connected, we want to connect with you, and so we encourage you to fill out this card in the seat in front of you. Uh, we'd love to be able to answer questions, get you in, involved in a group or involved in a ministry, or just, just pray with you today if you have requests that you might have brought in as well. You can take this uh, to the information center before you leave, and we have a gift for you as a way of saying welcome. We're glad you chose to join us. And then also, at the same time, we're going to make a 10 donation in your name to our community partner for the month, which this month is our very own First Friends Preschool Daycare that meets here in this building. And so one of the things I'll say about that is each month we have um, an organization or a project that we partner with. This month is First Friends, and, and typically there are specific asks for partnership. This month, our asks are threefold. The first one is uh, we would ask that you would prayerfully support our ministry, support the First Friends Preschool Daycare, their teachers, faculty, and at the same time, the children and the students, uh, and also the families of those that are there that are represented. The second thing is um, financial. If you have, uh, if you have the, 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 um, the pressing upon your heart, uh, God may be leading you to give in some way financially. We would ask that you to do, do so, um, and you can do so today. You can do so even next next week, um, but we would ask that you would prayerfully consider how God might call you to, to give. The third thing is this. Um, they actually uh, minister to children and, um, and even students and after-school care every single day of the week. And so the third way is you can, um, you can, through word of mouth, you can share that this is available. At the same time, you can maybe sign up your own kids or grandkids to come and participate in uh, First Friends Preschool Daycare. And so that being said, if you'd like more information, if you want to give, if you want to talk more about this, you can stop by the First Friends booth out there next to the information center in the lobby. We would love to be able to connect with you. I know that uh, the director, Shelly Daniels, would love to be able to connect with you as well and answer any questions you might have uh, as well. And, and, and even if it's, hey, how can we pray specifically? I know that they have some specific needs they would love uh, to be able to share with you as well. So that being said, that's our partner for the month. We ask that you would uh, consider how you might be able to, to step in with them. The other thing I want to mention is if you, if you got our, our note guide and, um, and announcement bulletin today, on the back you'll notice the second half of that says upcoming important events or important dates. Uh, seems like May, there's always a special um, element to each service or each Sunday, and so uh, we just kind of put those in the last couple of years with just kind of a bullet point list. You can see what's coming up. You'll see there we're going to receive new members on the 15th. That'll be an exciting day, and there'll be a family dinner. That'll be the celebration for uh, the evening program for kids ministry. Um, on the 22nd, there's uh, our annual local conference. We'll be talking more about that in the next week or so. Uh, First Friends graduation is the 25th. That's not a Sunday, but we'd love to invite you to that. And then our fifth Sunday of the month, which happens uh, every fourth or four times a year, on the 29th of May, also that uh, encapsulates graduation Sunday. So encourage you to join us for those in this time. Uh, certainly this season is one of excitement. Spring seems like it always is. And also it's a, a time of, of kind uh, of celebrating what God's done over the course of the, the academic year and celebrating those who have engaged as well. So that being said, if you ever have, have other thoughts, questions um, about uh, ministries, different things going on, you can always contact our church office or you can check out our website as well for more details on some of those events. 
Well, last week we concluded our series culminating with uh, a celebration on Resurrection Sunday. And uh, when we culminated this series of looking at the gifts that Jesus gives, certainly we walk through, here are the things uh, through his teaching that Jesus has granted, that he has, he has given, uh, th- some things that we can uh, experience on a daily basis, maybe for some you've never experienced and that was your first time even hearing about them, or for others it might be uh, a, a reflection or a reminder of those things. As we move into May, we're going to step into a new series starting next month, or next week I should say, which is also next month. Um, where we're going to kind of look through some, some questions, five weeks, where we're going to look at questions that you might have about uh, regarding Christianity. And I will tell you right now that in all of these, they could, uh, every question could be a series in and of itself. They're very deep, but we're going to scratch the surface, so to speak, and begin to talk about those. We will walk into a little bit of apologetics as we walk into those as well. Uh, but one thing I, I, I love about the fact that there's a series that concluded last week and a new one starting this week is we have these standalone moments right? A standalone service that's not part of a series uh, where the Holy Spirit leads and directs and guides and gives a specific week uh, set apart from the others for His purposes. Today we're going to do a a little bit uh, of an understanding or a word study or an exploration of two uh, specific words. You've probably heard them before, calling and will calling and will. And calling specifically, we're going to walk into this understanding that God calls all of us in some way in life. He calls us to do, to step into, to, to, to be his hands and feet, to, to be gospel bearers, to be some that step forward in whatever way God calls us to. And then at the same time, will, which is the fact that God has a will. He has a desire. He has a plan. And the calling that he places upon our lives, your life, and my life is, in, is intended to bring forth His will. So they, they, they work together in that. They're both nouns, obviously, but there's this recognition that one fulfills the other. Now, let me just say, when referring to God's will, it can be difficult to understand this entity to some extent. Sometimes you say, well, what is God's will for my life? What, is, what does God's will mean? What if I make this decision? What if I do that? What if somebody else does something or, or decides to do this and it's, and it's contrary? Let me say, there, there are these two terms. You may have heard before God's perfect will and God's permissive will. Right? And God's permissive will is the, is the recognition that God is all-powerful, but because He's given free will to His creation, you and I, we can make decisions. And if we make a decision not to follow God's perfect will, He, does, he allows it, or it's a permissive will. However, in all, in, in all regards, He's always attempting to try to bring us back into right relationship with Him. And then His perfect will, which was already broken in the garden, not uh, three chapters into uh, the Bible in the book of Genesis, right? It was already broken, but he's still redeeming and bringing forth an opportunity for us in our calling to step into and to be part of his perfect will. God calls us to fulfill his will through that specific calling. And so today we're going to explore specifically an example in Scripture. You may have heard of this individual before, God's call on King David's life. And I'll tell you right now, I'm just going to say this up front, there are uh, a lot of words to say in Scripture about King David. We're going to explore some of those, probably more than we typically would in a Sunday morning service, but I think it's important to note that God's will for David, God's call for David, I should say, is intended to bring forth his will 
for all people. God's ultimate will for his people uh, in this case when God was calling David was that he would cleanse his people, that he would bring them back into a right relationship with him. And so he chose David as one that would, would be one of the leaders in bringing forth this new day or this reconciliation of the people who have stepped away from him. The call and the will of God, and we're going to look primarily in First and Second Samuel, the call and the will of God are, are very interesting, especially as it pertains to, to David's life. And following God's call is, is not always an easy thing, and we see that in David's life. Sometimes it's not easy to follow God's call because we don't know why he's calling. You know, God might call us and we pick up the phone and we think, eh, maybe this is a wrong number. Maybe you called me and you intended to call someone else that might be more prepared, might have a better understanding. We don't always know why he calls. We might not even know what he wants, right? God calls, and maybe he's direct, but we aren't really speaking the same language. We don't know exactly what he's meaning, what he's saying. We don't know exactly where he's going with things. Uh, maybe, we, maybe we don't understand God's call because he doesn't, uh, we don't always know uh, him, right? We don't always know his nature or his character. God's asking us to do something, and it's kind of like, well, God, I don't know if I fully get this. I don't know if I fully understand where you're going with things. Maybe we don't always know all the facts, right? God says, I want you to do this, or I want you to go there. I want you to use this talent in this specific way. But because we, we don't know all the facts, all the things that are necessary, anybody in here like to know the facts before you step forward in a plan? God doesn't always work that way. Sometimes he calls us into something, and after we take that first step of obedience, then more facts become enlightened. We, we can see a little bit more as we step forward. Perhaps we don't always understand God's call because it's scary. It can be scary to say, yeah, yeah, God, I'll follow you wherever you call me to go, even if we don't know what that is or where that leads Maybe because it's unclear, going back to kind of that fact side of it, it's unclear to know where God's going. Or maybe it seems like he, he's got the wrong person at the wrong time, right? Well, I've got these things going on. If I could just get past this project at work, or if I could just finish my degree, or if I could just get things right in this relationship, or if I could just get enough money, yeah, God, I'll follow you then. But right now, not really a good time. Let me just say, all of the above would apply specifically in King David's life. When God called David primarily at the beginning, and then as he led him throughout his calling, David probably could have used all of these excuses or all of these reasons for not understanding what God was calling him to do. So let's drop in on the story. We're going to start specifically in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And the context of this passage is that there is a king uh, in, in the king. There's already a king on the throne in the kingdom. And this specific king has been one that has pretty much done his own thing at this point. And so God is saying, okay, now it is time, working through the prophet Samuel, now it is time to anoint a new king. And so Samuel is given this responsibility to go and to anoint a new king, even though he knows that the other king on the throne is not going to really like this. It's going to be kind of unpopular for him to say, okay, yeah, let me follow you in this. But he does. He steps forward. And as he does, picking up in verse 4, here's what the passage reads. Samuel did what the Lord said, which is a good place to be. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourself and come to sacrifice with me. 
Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. He saw Jesse's eldest son. He was, he was strong in stature. He was, he was what you would consider the, the perfect prototype or what we would consider the perfect prototype for king. And he saw him and thought, okay, this is a done deal. Okay, God, I didn't know what you were up to. I didn't know exactly what this is going to look like. But now that I've seen this person, I recognize your plan. It's all coming to fruition at this point. It says, when, when uh, uh, excuse me, verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And then Jesse called Abinadab and, and, and had him pass in front of Samuel. Surely if it wasn't, you know, Eliab, it, it, it's going to be my second born, the, the, the one who's, you know, second in command. Yeah, he's, he's got a great heart. He's a good person. Uh, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. And I'm sure at that point, Jesse's beginning to scratch his head thinking, well, these are my, these are my men. These are, these are my namesake. These are the ones that, that I would assume, if not the first one, all the way down to the seventh one, that, that these, these have to be the ones. And, and the Lord said, uh, the Lord has not chosen these. And verse 11 says, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? And it's interesting to note that, that David at this point, didn't even, he didn't even get an invitation to the ceremony, right? He was probably out in the field. He recognized that there was this, this guard coming because it wouldn't have just been Samuel coming by himself. He would have seen all of the, the, the people coming into town and, and recognizing something was going on. And he had to stay out in the field. He didn't even get to come in because I'm sure at that point, Jesse thought, you know what? There's no way. You, you don't even really count uh, when it comes to, to putting together this line of individuals that, uh, that God has ordained or this line of individuals that God is going to choose from. They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send for him. He will not sit down and we will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers and from that day, and from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. David was chosen to be Israel's king, even though the prophet Samuel, the one who was following God, the one who was, who was engaged in being obedient to God's call and command, did not perceive this boy to have the obvious physical attributes that he would have expected to come from the next monarch. In fact, the Lord... Uh, in his differing way and in, and in a specific way, didn't look at David or these other men uh, the same way that Samuel did. Instead, in verse 7, it says there, he looks at the heart. Uh, in, all, in all regard, basically, David's inner faithfulness, the inner spirit, the inner following of God, his spiritual well-being, his faithfulness credentialed him to have the throne, to be the one to take the, the throne after Saul's unbelief and the way that he 
treated others. Two things specifically, among others, that we can draw from this passage that I want to look at about God's calling and God's will. The first one is this. In your note guide, you'll find this. It says, God's call is always part of a larger plan. God's call is always part of a larger plan. It's not necessarily a specific, hey, let me throw this out there in the middle just to kind of put things into perspective or just so that you can understand, you can know. Instead, God's call is always part of a larger plan. Even David's call and his life were part of a bigger story of redeeming Israel, of bringing them back eventually into this place of being in, in, in perfect harmony back with God once again. Typically, God's call in our life can be bigger than we could imagine or bigger than we could ever notice, bigger than we could ever understand. Perhaps you've watched a, a television show where it starts out and they might show different, uh, different storylines taking place and eventually they begin to get intertwined over the course of a television show or a movie or maybe a series and all those things start to come to fruition. And you link, think back to the beginning, you look back at the beginning, you think, man, how could this ever go together? But, but in that specific regard, the director or the writers had this plan to bring everything into fruition, everything to, to perfect harmony. That's God's will spiritually for us is to use each individual calling as the church, as individuals, to come together as the church, as the body, to glorify God in His, in his will. Sometimes we get caught up in our own little story. We, we get caught up in the things that are happening to me, or you might get caught up in the things that are happening to you. We begin to, 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 to think about all the things that are happening in our life and, and don't necessarily recognize the fact that God has a plan, specifically His will, far beyond our one story. Let me just, I'm going to do a sidebar real quick, this, this second point before I jump to it, and look at 1 Kings uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and then 10 through 12. And it reads like this, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said, so be strong, act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may, you may prosper in all you do and, whatever, and wherever you go. And that the Lord may keep his promises to me. If your descendants watch how they live and they walk faithfully before me with all their hearts and soul, you will never fail to have a successor on the throne of Israel. And then jumping down to verse 10, it says, Then David rested with his ancestors and was buried in the city of David. He, was, he had reigned 40 years over Israel, seven years in Hebron, and 33 in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his rule was firmly established. You know, after all this writing, all the things, the journey that he had gone through, all the things that David had done, right there it's just summed up, okay, David, here's your promise, pass it on, you're now gone, and on to the next one. You know, sometimes that can seem bleak to think about the fact that when we pass away, that that's really all it is. Now, there was obviously a legacy to be built on. There was much that was accomplished through David's obedience and through his courage. But recognize this, what we do, how we live is part of a greater plan, God's will. And sometimes when we get caught up in our own story, our own circumstance, and all the things that are going on, Satan can use that as a tool to separate us from the fact that he wants to use you, he wants to use me for something greater that may, we may never even see here on this earth. But we will in eternity. 
God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a call for you, and He has a call for me. And the second point there is often we cannot see the big picture when we first hear His call. I'm sure in that room, when all the brothers were standing there watching their little shepherd boy brother get anointed, they probably thought to themselves, are you serious? Nothing is going to come, nothing good is going to come from this, right? Nothing good is going to come from this. David is, he's young and he doesn't understand, he doesn't get it. And in fact, he smells like sheep. There's no way that he's going to fulfill the throne as well as Iliad would have been able to. Think about this for a moment. When the disciples were called, when Jesus came and and called the disciples, when he stepped into their boats, when he came and talked to them, when he engaged with them in that initial call for each one, there was no way that they would recognize the fact that one day Jesus was going to literally die and then raise from the dead. But when he called, they followed. When he called, they stepped forward in obedience. When he called, they said yes. Jumping back to David, we'll we'll move on. The very next thing as we recognize uh, what happened with David is he didn't take the throne. Instead, he continued in his life waiting for God's call for such a time as this. And so in in that moment, he continued for what God had for him. And in verse uh, chapter 17, verse 20, it begins like this. Early in the morning, and you've probably heard some variation of this story before if you grew up in church or maybe even not. But early in the morning, David left the flock in care of a shepherd in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. So he was on his way to the battle. Uh, That's what took place previous to this. He reached the camp as the army was going going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with a keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. So they're all getting ready, getting things together, had all their stuff together, and, and, and David runs up and says, hey guys, how you doing? What's going on? He finds himself right up there in the front of the battle, right where things are going to take place, and it says, as, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine uh, champion from Gath, uh, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. So he's talking to them, and all of a sudden, there's this interruption. Hey, we're having a family reunion, and all this interruption of Goliath screaming at them. It says, and, and the scripture says in verse 24, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in, in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. A lot of people are probably saying, sign me up right there, right? David asked the man, the men standing near him, what will we, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes his disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? It's amazing to note, David is offended by this, not because of what he's saying about him or about his, his army, but what he's saying about God and who God has, has ordained and orchestrated for this moment. They repeated to him what they had been saying and told him, this is what will be done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, remember David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, 
He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? As if to say, look, you've already taken my birthright almost uh, of being able to, uh, so to speak, of being able to be the next king. You've marched in here now thinking you have all the answers. It says, and with whom you, did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? As if to say, look, your job was to watch the sheep and you can't even do that right. I know how uh, convinced you are and how, how conceited you are and how wicked your, your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. And what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him, as if Saul to say, look, somebody's going to fight, fine, let's do it. And, and I'm sure that Saul at that point had gained a little bit of knowledge to some extent about what was taking place, maybe the thought of a coup, he was going to be overtaken. And so maybe even in his thought, it was like, okay, well, maybe this is a way to, to be able to eliminate this David who's, who's been anointed. Verse 32 says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine, your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from his mouth. When it, from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by, his hair, by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he was, has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the, the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a, a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and, and tried walking around because he, he was not used to them. I cannot do these, he said to Saul. I cannot, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. He took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in a pouch of a, sheep's, of a shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. And if you've read the historical account before, you recognize the fact that, that David, he marched into battle boldly, but he didn't do so alone. He did so with the power and the will of God and the provision of God. And God brought forth a victory that day in the form of David slaying the giant. I think it's important to note here a couple of things specifically. One main one is this. He didn't wear the armor that Saul put on him. He didn't put on the armor as, as he approached uh, this man in battle, this, this, this foe in battle. He approached the battle specifically in the calling that he had for the moment as a child of God, bearing the image of God. Have you ever been and had to wear somebody else's clothes? Maybe you, you were out somewhere, you, you got wet, and you thought, oh, I'll just borrow someone else's clothes. It feels a little bit funny. It feels like you got somebody, you know, it's, it's, it's not necessarily, it doesn't fit you just right. I'm actually on, on pack number four of white t-shirts. All my white t-shirts went out at the same time, and it happens maybe sometimes to you. And, and, and I can't find a t-shirt that I like that, that matches what I used to have. And so right now, this one's doing pretty good. I feel like I'm in my own skin, right? None of you have been there. Okay. 
David found himself in someone else's armor and recognized the fact that this isn't me. This isn't, this isn't how I operate. This isn't what I do. This isn't my call, so to speak. And he recognized the fact that God had called him in a different way. And the point is this, God's call on our life springs from our unique status of being an image bearer of God. You and I are an image bearer of God. And the, and the direct call, the, the, the specific individualized call that he gives you, that he gives me, is specific for us. It's not for somebody else to do. It's not for somebody else to have. Instead, God has called you for such a time as this and whatever he's calling you to engage in. Your call to contribute to the grand picture, the will of God, is special. It's important. It's profound. It's because, you, the image, it's because of the image that you carry, and that is God's. You are the only you that God created. Have you ever heard that or thought that before? You are the only you that God created. What does that mean? That means that you are the only you that can carry out the calling that God has placed on your life. And so when Satan creeps in and, and, and begins to attack you or, or to get you to maybe uh, put off the, the, the calling that God's placed on your life or to, or to diminish the calling that God has for you, when, 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 when Satan comes in and tries to, to, to get you to, to forget about that or, or in any way maybe say, you know, that's not your call or that's for somebody else, let me just say, no, 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 no. God has created you and you're the only you and the calling you have is for you and you alone. Furthermore, he wants to have a relationship with you, a deep longing relationship with you. And that loving relationship that you have is part of your call. He has a perfect calling for you to fulfill his will. Don't run away from it. Don't diminish it. On the practical end of, of David's call, we recognize this. Often God's call is the starting line for development of character and gifts. And that right there should be, uh, just for all of us, and to some extent, kind of a, a moment. Because oftentimes when God does call us to something, we don't feel equipped. We don't feel ready. We don't feel like we have the time or the energy, but it's the call alone and the obedience to step into that call that gives us the moment of being able to start in development of what God has for us. David was not ready to be king when he was anointed that day as a shepherd boy. But his obedience and stepping forward in the way that God said, here's what I have for you through the anointing that he had placed upon Samuel was an opportunity for him to begin to step forward in faith. And when, when the opportunity presented itself, whether it be to watch the sheep and to rescue them from danger or to step in and fight the mighty giant, he stepped forward and he said, yes. No one could miss the development of David throughout Scripture. In fact, here's just a few things specifically as the passages go on about David's life. Years passed between David's calling and his ascend to the throne. And this created the opportunity for David to be prepared for the calling that God had put on his life. As a shepherd boy, a young David, he learned skills that he needed to, to lead his flock. And it's interesting to note a lot of times that the shepherd is a common analogy for kingship in the Old Testament. He, he also learned uh, to trust God and be faithful in his promises to him. The amount of time that, that, that took place between his anointing and when he finally eventually took the throne was, was a time where he needed to be reliant upon God and his faithfulness to him. The Lord provided the, the fortitude that David needed to battle Goliath and, and even behave in a manner that was fitting to be a king that was not there. I mean, in contrast to, to what Saul had in his unkingly behavior. For a time, David operated as, as a court musician. 
He was in the, the kingdom, and as a musician, he, he learned, he crafted his skills, and he, he learned about the behavior of Saul and what not to do, and recognized the erratic behavior and the operation of how that had a negative impact on Israel. But at the same time, he crafted his skills in poetry, and, and he crafted his skills as an author of many of the Psalms. He, he was able to give us scripture because of his obedience, because of his following of the call, because of the leading of the Holy Spirit. All these stages provided moments in David's life in which he pursued the call that Israel of Israel's second king. And God's leading can often be unexpected. In fact, I'm going to read one more passage today from 2 Samuel chapter 7. And specifically in this passage, uh, in chapter 7, verse 5, we see God's promise to David. It says, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. You, are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought, this, brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture, from tending the flocks, and anointed you ruler over the people of Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make you a name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that so that they, will, they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I, anointed, I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed, to, succeed, to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he, when he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with flogging inflictions inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Samuel, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. We should be careful not to make stark distinctions between his job, what David was called to do, and the time he was called, and his character. God was developing within him, bringing forth this calling. And, and probably for you and I, sometimes when we think about calling, we, we equate that to a job or, or a vocation. Well, my calling is to be a carpenter. My calling is to be a, a professor. My calling is to be any number of things. Let me just say, sometimes those coincide. Often that is the platform from which God allows us to, to share his calling, to impress his calling, to share his gospel with others. But your job isn't necessarily always your calling. 
For David, his calling was organically worked out over the course of his life. And he had a lot of different jobs, a lot of different tasks, a lot of different things that God called him to do or led him to do. So we can say with, with, with some confidence that young David among the shepherds was faithfully pursuing the call of God that he had placed on his life even from the beginning. How do we discover God's call or realize the will of God? I'm going to walk through these uh, fairly quickly. God's call in your life will usually include, and this is borrowed from uh, Keith Jury's book. He's a, he's a, a, a Christian author and, and professor, Call of a Lifetime. And in Call of a Lifetime, he expresses and impresses upon uh, it, the readers this un, understanding and recognition that, that God will have uh, real implications, real ways of help, helping us to see the confirmation of God's call in our life. If you're following along in your note guide, the first one is this. To discern God's call, the first thing is this, a mystical confirmation. A mystical confirmation is, is basically the similar to salvation. We recognize within the context of the Spirit's leading, how can we be for sure can be answered through God's Spirit bearing witness with ours. God's Spirit bearing witness that this is what I have for you. This is what I want you to do. This is the place I want you to go. This is maybe uh, confirmed through a passage that jumps out time and time again, or, or maybe even a repetitive message from God. Here's what I have for your life. Here's what I want you to do. And, and the, it's not necessarily a job or a specific thing, but it is a, a, a way, a form in which we glorify God and bring more to the foot of the cross. The second thing is this, church confirmation. And that doesn't mean that, that you, you come and you get confirmed before a church. That means that the body of Christ will confirm your call. The people that are in tune with God, that are in tune with God's wisdom and that know him and at the same time that know you will help in that confirmation. Christ affirms your thoughts and your feelings through the people that know you best, that are walking through life with you, that are helping to affirm you to understand God's call. The third one is confirmation by desire. I'm sure that if I were to ask you to raise hands, some of you in here would say, I don't, I don't want to listen to a missionary because I might get called to some far off land, right? I don't want to be called to Timbuktu, right? And I think sometimes that, 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 that's interesting because sometimes that's, that's the Spirit starting to speak to us. Like, no, I do have something for you and, and I want to start to, to bring that to fruition. But sometimes uh, the recognition is... Uh, God calls us to things that we desire. The confirmation by desire is a real thing. He, he, is, he has created you. He has gifted you with passions and gifts and different things where he, he intends for you to use those. No, never does God say, you know what? I'm going to put you in a place where you will absolutely hate to serve, hate to, to, to engage, hate to use the skills that I've given you. I don't know about David. It seemed like he had a good time doing it, but he was a shepherd. He was a musician. He was an author. He was a king. And it seemed like in all those instances that he enjoyed what God had called him to do. Ask yourself, do I like to read? Do I like to share stories? Do I like to, to care for others, to cook a meal, to engage in intercessory prayer? Those are the types of questions that help you to understand the confirmation of desire. Number four, first fruits as confirmation. First fruits. Now, we don't always get to see God's work, His handiwork. The, the, we don't always get to see the way that He has blessed through our obedience or through our action, but sometimes we do. And oftentimes, He will give us first fruits, which means we get to see the way that God is moving through our obedience. When you've engaged in a specific area of ministry, uh, maybe a vocation or beyond, you can see the influence that God is having on others because of your action of stepping forward. And then finally, confirmation by testing. 
And this is the one that I would say probably is hardest to understand and maybe it's difficult to, to fit into the rest of these. But sometimes what happens when we engage in what God has for us is, is we get this, this, this backlash or we get this, this, this opposition to what God's calling us to do and we think to ourselves, maybe I made the wrong decision. <coughs> Maybe I made the wrong decision to step forward in this way or to have this conversation or, or to use this gift or to step forward in the way God's calling me. And we have this, 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 uh, this moment of, okay, I don't know what's happening here, but, but that is a moment of clarity to recognize that Satan is attacking you because you are doing something right. You should expect your call to be tested. In other words, somewhere along the lines, something is going to happen that's going to make you question your call to what God has for you, maybe even in doubt uh, uh, completely what God has for you. A time of testing can be a cause for you to give up or a time to make a, a powerful confirmation in what God wants to do in your life and through you. When we take a step forward for God and, and in His will, we can expect real testing. Remember our calling and this whole idea of, of looking at calling and will. Our calling is what God uses in and through us to contribute to the building of His kingdom. And we revisit David's life and we see from beginning to end, from when he first was discussed in this, this concept of, of David being just a, a lowly shepherd boy to being the heir, the, 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 the one on the throne, the one who, who brings things into fruition, who follows God. Yeah, yeah, there were some bumps along the way. In all of those things, there were these leading moments where God led him into different things to bring forth fruition of a call. And the final point there, and I didn't forget it, here it is. God's leading evolves over time, but his calling never changes. So what God's calling you to do is a, is a lifetime endeavor. What God's calling you to do is, is, a, is a forever thing for your, for your existence here on this earth. His leading will change. He'll lead you to different areas. For instance, he'll lead you in, in, a, in a time when you're younger, maybe to engage with people uh, that, that are walking through the same, uh, same, same struggles that you are. Maybe it, after you get uh, you know, into the workforce, he leads you in a way where you're specifically there. You change jobs or, or you get married, whatever it might be, he will lead you in different ways, but your calling will always be the same. Most likely, you will not have every detail worked out the moment that you graduate high school, the moment you graduate with a degree, or you, you register for the military, you get that first job. When, you, when you're starting off on things, most often than not, you're not going to have every detail in order. But God doesn't ask you to have it all figured out. Instead, he asks you to take the first step of obedience when he calls. And today in this moment, I, I have to recognize the fact that we're coming down to the end of a, of a year. There's going to be many that are going to be graduating high school. There's, there's many that, that this, is, this is it. They're graduating from, from Ohio University or, or Hawking College and beyond in the area. And they're all kind of asking these questions. God, uh, you know, is this the right thing? Is this what you want for me? Is this where you want me to go? And in essence, in all of that, all God's asking for at this point is, here's what I'm leading you to do. Take the first step. Now, some might have a full map of what it's going to look like, and if you do, that's wonderful, but that's not going to be for everyone. If you're graduating this spring, or maybe you're starting a new job, or you're engaging in a new endeavor, do not be discouraged if you don't have your entire life mapped out. It's also important to note that in many cases, God is preparing you, and He's comparing me for the next leg of our journey without us even knowing it. 
We do preparation work oftentimes. You and I do preparation work uh, for, for a specific endeavor, but sometimes God is working out details. He's doing things in our lives without us even knowing it because He has something else planned, a new leading plan to bring us to the foot of the call as He moves us forward, and we don't even know it. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.